Uh, I'd love to welcome everyone at church at home and living rooms all over the world and all of you that are watching it before you go to the Dolphins game today. Shame on you. Uh, but um, just still love you. But uh, just say that all of you that are watching uh, from all over, we're just so neat to be one community that is like all over, um, but with the same exact purpose. And so I got to tell you something. This series has been on my heart for a while, and I just... I can't tell you how important I think this is to us as we're going to be walking through as a community. I'll be leading us through the next three weeks on understanding the foundations of our faith. And the reason why I think this is so important is so many of us are going through this life and we think, you know what, like I believe in God or the, maybe even Jesus in the Bible and I'm going to heaven and I'm good. And, but, I, but you don't really understand what it's all about and how it all works. And there's for too long we've been going like, well, it's complicated and, and that's for the priest or the pastor. But what I want you to understand is that the faith that God wants us to have that your faith is not just a spiritual thing for you one day in heaven, but that faith was designed to transform how you live life on earth. And when you truly understand the foundation of what and who Jesus is and what he's done for you and how it all works, it radically transforms who you are, how you live relationally, how you do business, the peace, the love, the joy in every aspect of your life. And so over the next three weeks, what I want to do is I want to just equip you with understanding things that are so powerful and important. And my heart is not just to stay on the superficial level like we often do, but to actually dive in a little bit deeper. You're going to have to take some notes over these next few weeks. Like we're going to go to college right now over these next three weeks because I want you to actually begin to get to the point where you're no longer like, well, I don't really know, but no, now I get it. I think there's going to be some light bulbs that come off today and over the next few weeks. And I think you're going to get to the point, hear me with this, where not only do you understand it, but you actually could lead other people to understand it. Because we have got a calling in our lives to be the church. And Jesus doesn't want you just to sit on the sidelines and let, the, let me or the pastors do everything. You've got a calling and you need to understand this as well. And so I'm just so pumped about this because we're going to be looking at some things in a much deeper level than maybe we ever have here uh, as a church over these next three weeks. So I just want to encourage you. you. Some of you might need to watch these a couple times. Take some notes on this stuff. And if you don't want to write all, just write some of it down. Because for some of this stuff, it's going to be a lot. And so just bear with me. Like, like In other words, it's going to be like your mind's going to be blown up in a few places. But that's okay because you can watch it again. And you can take some more notes. Why? Because you need this. And so today what I want to do is we're actually going to start with the most basic foundational element, which to me is also the most complicated of all of it. And we're actually gonna talk about a word called salvation. Now, most of you right now, you hear the word, okay, I get that, oh, that's gonna be a big, no, it's not gonna be, because we're gonna go a little bit deeper and maybe look at it in a way that a lot of Christians have never looked at it. And we're gonna kind of understand this in a lot of ways. Because a lot of people when it comes to this, this world can hear a word like salvation and you don't fully understand it. Like, what, what, what am I saved from? Like, I didn't even know I needed saving, so what in the world is that all about? And so we're gonna answer four questions uh, this week, and here are the four questions we're gonna answer. Why do I need to be saved? <clears throat> Like, what, 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 what's wrong if I don't? Like, why do I need it? I don't understand that. We're going to answer that question. Um, this is a good one that a lot of people don't understand. Why did Jesus have to die to save me? Like, it's bloody. It's barbaric. It's cruel. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, of all the ways God could create to save me, to make this relationship right, why did Jesus have to die? Because here's what I want you to think about. If it wasn't essential, then why in the world would he go through it? 
But if it was essential, what makes his death essential for you to be saved? And a lot of Christians can't answer that question. We're going to help you with that. Here's the other thing. How do I get saved? We're going to look at that. And then lastly, what happens when I get saved? And that's what I want to kind of walk through today. And so the first part is probably the most basic part of all. Um, and we're going to kind of just walk through it as quick as I can. And it answers the question, why do I need to be saved? And so I just want to start out with an encouragement for all of you. I want to encourage every one of you today. you will be so glad you can be church. The reason you need to be saved is really simple, simple, and that's because you're a sinner. Your mama may have told you you were great. Your daddy may have told you 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 hung the world and you're wonderful. But I'm going to tell you the truth. And that is you are actually a sinner. In fact, what you're going to discover is you're not just a sinner. You're actually a serial sinner in your life. I just want to help that. It's going to be a lot of fun. This this first part stinks, by the way. Just, you know, understand that. But it's true. And I think we all know that, right? That all of us in our life are actually serial sinners. And here's what I want to do to help you understand this before I can continue to encourage you. And the first part of this message is, is what is sin? Let me just define this for a moment. And sin is actually used as an archery term. Imagine um, shooting a bow and arrow. Or for us, like we throw axes today, right? And, and, And so sin simply means this. It's missing the mark. It's anything that's not in the bullseye. In other words, that God actually built and created a way of life that we are called to follow. And anytime we veer away from God's ordained plan to live life, that's called a sin. So things like, like God would call sin, things like lust and pride and greed and selfish ambition and lying and unforgiveness. It's all of these things that are outside of the way that God called and created us to live. And because when you're God, you have the authority. And by the way, no one else has the authority to determine right or wrong. Culture does not have that authority. They didn't create you. You do not have that authority. You're not God. Like, like, like governments do not have the authority to create right and wrong. Thank God. Look at all the governments and the things that have happened throughout the world and what the governments have done. Because the only being that can create right or wrong, determine what's sin or not, and this is so important to understand, it's not you, it's God who created the heavens and the earth. And so to understand what sin is, it's any time we internally or externally do something outside of the way that God God created us, that is called sin. But what a lot of us don't understand is there's a consequence to that sin. And here's the three things that happen when people sin. I want you to hear this. Is that the first thing that happens is that the world gets broken. Anybody think the world's broken, by the way, right now? Right? Here's the second thing that happens with sin. You get broken. And the third thing that happens with sin, I want you to see this, is your relationship with God gets broken. And I want you to understand it this way because there's a consequence for us missing the mark. And that consequence is external, look at the world, internal, it happens to us. But there's also a spiritual context, and that's what we're going to look at last year. And that means it breaks your relationship with with God. And let me just walk through these things kind of quickly. And the point is this. If you don't understand what sin is and what it does, you don't understand what salvation is. Do you understand? Like so many in the world go, I don't even even need Jesus because they don't understand they're a sinner and they don't understand there's a consequence to their sin. So let's look at the world for a moment. How has mankind's choices and decisions broken the world? I don't think we need to spend a lot of time here, do we? Because you can turn on CNN or Fox News or anything in the world. You can look at high schools, middle schools, your own children, whatever it is, and you can see how broken the world has become because of our choices and decisions. In fact, I'll never forget the statistic um, that just has rocked me is that anthropologists were studying through all the wars and all the you know, people and throughout all time. And the best that they can guess is, is that one out of every three human beings that were ever born were killed by another human being in all time. 
I want you to wrap, because sometimes we live in a world, right? We sit on the Oprah show, oh, you're so good. You just gotta follow the good in you. People are good. Like everyone's just good. Follow that inner voice and then you're good. We love to tell us we're good, but every single thing in history what we see around us realizes that mankind is not good. That one third, one out of everything are killed. I'm not even gonna talk about just real quick, but, but think about like when it comes to um, the people that have been sexually uh, uh, hurt. You guys, some of you guys unfortunately know what that's like in this room. Do you know that, that there's only 20% of women report in America to be sexually abused, assaulted? 20%. By the way, everyone also tells you it's far more than that because most of them don't get reported. I want you to wrap your mind around the brokenness of mankind and the hurt and the damage that our sinful nature has actually caused. Think about the people that are starving and hungry in the world. Hundreds of millions of people don't have enough food. Why? Is it because the environment can't create it? Is it because God's wor world doesn't work? No. In fact, do you know that right now, even with all the brokenness in our environment, if you will, that this world produces enough food to feed everyone on earth and four billion additional people. So why are people starving? because of the corruption and the brokenness of governments and mankind. In fact, we have a, Haiti, we have a ministry there. We, we help feed and educate 800 and something kids uh, every day. We realized we had to actually go ourselves to bring money and supplies over there to make sure it actually got to kids. I'll never forget the time we were there and there was all of this stuff and shoes and everything and soccer balls we were donating to these kids. And as I was sitting in that line in customs ready to give them to all of these kids, I watched the custom workers in broad daylight in the government of Haiti open up the bags and start taking stuff for themselves. They didn't even care. And I begin to get mad. And the police officer right next to me is like, don't say anything because then they'll, they'll just take it all. See, the problem, I want you to see this. See, the problem with the world isn't that God didn't create enough. It's that there's a brokenness in us and selfishness and pride and greed and lust and anger and unforgiveness and the hurting and the wounding of brokenness of people has broken this world. But see, here's the thing. It actually gets worse. Sin didn't just break the world. It broke us. And sometimes it broke us because of other people's sin, right? And I don't know if you've ever been hurt or wounded by other people, um, but here's the hard part of that. It sometimes gets broken because we actually do the breaking. And some of you are like, well, I've, I've never, like, killed anybody. I don't, I've not done that. I don't even know what, like, I'm not that bad of a person. And hopefully you didn't, especially if they're sitting next to you. But, um, <laughs> but let's, let's get real and personal. Let's get through the depressing stuff quick enough to get to the good stuff, all right? Have you ever spoken a word out of anger? and spoken an identity over someone that hurt them and wound them? Have you ever said to someone, you're always, you're never, you're just like? And everybody would raise their hand right now, including myself. So what, what am I saying? So, so through your anger, you've broken another human being, therefore you have sinned. Anybody here um, ever sell something, want to get a promotion, and, and you, you, you decided that, you know what, even though as you look at their budget and, that, you know, they can't afford the car, they can't afford the house, and you know it, but you don't really care about how it affects them. You just want the sale, and you sell it to them anyways without saying a word. By the way, the Bible calls that selfish ambition. That's a sin. How many of you ever, in trying to sell something, I just, oh, everyone's feeling guilty right now. This is going to be great. Um, <clears throat> Anybody ever be in a sales meeting or there you are trying to sell something to someone and, and it's not that you lied, but you manipulated the information to make your product actually look better than it really is. And, and, and you maybe, you know, once again, not lie, you just been, anybody ever do that? Most salesmen are like, yes, once or twice last week, <laughs> right? Right? Jesus says this, if, if we, we don't treat people as objects for our own pleasure, right? We're not supposed to do that. So if you look at a woman lustfully, you commit adultery in your heart. Let's just skip that one. So what about, what about greed? 
What about greed? Well, I'm not greedy. Well, listen, here's what God who makes the rules are. He says that 10% of everything you have needs to come into his storehouse. And if you don't do that and you take some of that tithe, that 10%, and you spend it somewhere else other than giving it to him, he actually says you're a thief. In other words, I want us to understand something that when it comes to sin, it's not just the world's problem. It's our problem. In fact, the Bible says this, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And why am I saying this? And it's not to beat you up. And please hear this. I don't want to speak that identity over you. Because I know we're all broken and we all messed up and sinned. And we're going to look at the end. That's why Jesus would do what he'd do to redeem us. So we wouldn't be defined by our failures and a mistake. But if we don't even see the fact that we are a sinner needing of a savior, we'll never understand salvation if you don't understand your own brokenness. And so we discover, right, sin, our, our brokenness, right? It breaks the world, it's obvious. We look in the mirror, it breaks us. But here's the third thing that it does, and I want you to see this as well. It's not just internal and external, it's spiritual. It breaks our relationship with God. In fact, um, the Bible actually says that the wages of sin is actually death. And when God created Adam and Eve, and you can go back in the beginning to read this, right? And you, he created Adam and Eve, and he gave them a choice. And the choice he gave them is, hey, you can follow me and obey me, if you will. And, and we can live in this garden together and have this wonderful relationship. You won't even know what sin is. You won't even have the desire for things. You won't even struggle with lust and greed and pride. And you can live in relationship with me forever and ever and ever. And you'll be my people, and I'll be your God, and you can have dominion over all of creation. But because it's a love and a relationship, I'm also going to give you a choice. Because if you don't have a choice, it's never really love, is it? You, you can only choose. If, if you can't choose, it's not really love. It's, it's forced. And so, and so God told Adam and Eve the same thing he would basically tell us. Hey, I'm going to let you choose. And if you choose not to trust me, then you can actually eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's not about the fruit. It's about what it would do is awaken in them and then understand the sinful nature and the struggle, by the way, that we all know because we battle with it. And I want you to think of it like this. If you ever had a young child, you understand that there are certain sins they don't understand, right? They're not awakened to it. They don't struggle with that yet. And so God created us that we could live in this life without even having the battles that we faced. But what did Adam and Eve do? And then he told them, but if you ever do that, you will die. Understand, see the wages of sin are death. There's a spiritual consequence. And so when Adam and Eve did that, what took place? God pushed them out of the garden. He actually, for the first time, shed blood. And that's a significant thing of an animal to make coverings for them. For the first time, they felt an emotion God never wanted us to feel. And that's guilt and that shame and separation from God as they ran away from him. And so God put these angels in front of the garden and says, no longer will mankind be able to be in my presence because of their sin. And their sin has broken this relationship with me. And so he's separated from God. And listen to this. Every temple that God ever told the ancients to build for him, in every single one, there was a separate room in the back called the most holy place. And that's where God's presence dwelled. And there was always a curtain that separated God from mankind. Because our sin, I want you to hear this, our sin breaks the world, our sin breaks us, and our sin broke our relationship with God. Why do I need to be saved? Well, somehow I need to restore this relationship with God's spirit that is broken. Somehow I need to fix me that is broken and somehow we need to heal a broken world. And what you're going to discover is that Jesus and salvation were the solution for all three of these things. So to answer the first question, right? Here's the first question. Why do I need to be saved? Because you're a sinner. Now here's the next question I want to deal with. But why did Jesus have to die? 
Right? And this is like the first part we kind of get. This part is going to be new for some of you, and I just want to ask you, pay attention to everything else out. If you're at home on a computer, like this next 10, 12 minutes, you got to follow, because if you don't, you will miss it. And it's so vital to understanding. Why did Jesus need to die in order to save us? Why the blood? Why the sacrifice? Now, Jesus answers this question one day where he's sitting with his disciples at a dinner. Now, the dinner that he is at is actually the dinner that they would call Passover. And Passover was something that the Jewish people would celebrate every year. And it was a dinner to commemorate, to look back on a covenant that God made with his people, that he was going to rescue them from, from the bondage of Egypt. He was going to deliver them into the promised land. And he would be their God and they would be his people. And he would give them the law and the way of life to live and bless them in what they do. And so every year they would come together and they would drink wine and they would have bread and they would do all of these things to remember a covenant that God had made with the people. And so one day they're celebrating like they had for hundreds and hundreds of years right before Jesus would go to the cross and listen to what Jesus tells us because in it you understand not only what salvation is, but you also understand why Jesus had to die. And here's what he says. He says, in the same way after the supper, the supper that celebrated the covenant that God had made with the people, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So if you're taking notes, why did Jesus have to die? It was to bring about a new covenant relationship between mankind and God. Now, let me help us understand this for a moment because I know some of the, the bloodshed and all this stuff and covenant, it's a different words. So let me just help you understand it. Like when you enter into an agreement, we would call them contracts a lot of times, right? They're always between two parties, right? And there's an agreement you would make that both parties would honor their part and there's a consequence if not, right? So you go buy a car, I'm gonna give you the money to the bank, the bank's gonna pay the money, the dealer, the dealer's gonna give you a car. And then you sign your name that if you don't pay, the car gets taken back, if you do pay, you get the car, right? You understand that? That we realize as human beings, we enter into relationships, whether it's business or personal, through contracts. By the way, um, one of these things is called marriage. Marriage is a covenant that two people come together and make, right? And it's the people going, hey, I agree to forsake all others and be with you, and I agree to forsake others and be with you till death do us part. We're gonna come together and we're gonna raise a family and do life together. So just like human beings, I want you to see this. We enter into relationships through covenant. I want you to see this. God does the same thing. In fact, you will discover that in every single time God enters into a relationship or an agreement with people, he will always do it through a covenant. But here's the difference. I want you to see this between a covenant and a contract. Because we understand contracts. We don't understand covenants. Here's what a covenant is. See, the difference is, is that a covenant was life and death. A covenant, if you broke it in God's time, in the, in the time of the scriptures, was life or death. In fact, they didn't call it making a covenant. They called it cutting a covenant. Because what you would do is the only way to enter into a covenant is you literally had to shed the blood of an animal. And in the shedding of the blood, you'd be saying it's life or death. In fact, you can go back in the Bible and read in Genesis. When God made a covenant with Abraham and makes the promise to him, a covenant is an agreement between two people, you're going to be the father of many nations, and he's old and has no children, but I'm going to give you a child. After that, God orders that animals be killed. I know it's barbaric, sorry for PETA, but there they are killed on the side. And then the blood of them on either side, God walks in between these animals. And what he's saying is this, may this happen to me if I ever break my covenant. 
And the reason why I say this and go into the gory details is you have to understand a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is not like you and me who give our word and we may or may not do it. A covenant is an unbreakable agreement between two people where God himself is saying, may I be killed if I don't follow through. And I want us to understand because what Jesus said is, I have come to shed my blood to pay the price to enter you into a brand new covenant. We call it salvation. He calls it a covenant between us and God. Now here's the question we gotta deal with. If he says there's a new covenant, what's the covenant he's replacing? And please, I know there's a lot of history, I get this, but please bear with me. Because I think it's so important to understand. In other words, he says there is a way right now that mankind is interacting with God. There's an agreement that God has with man. I am gonna get rid of that old agreement and give you a new agreement. By the way, the Bible is broken up into two parts. The old covenant Testament, same word, and the new covenant. You see, it's all about these covenants. So what's this old covenant that Jesus says I've come to replace? It really centers back to a covenant that God made with the nation of Israel. And God one day rescued them, and we talked about this earlier, and he goes, hey, I will be your God, but, but, but there's gonna be this covenant I'm gonna make with you, and I want you to understand this. But the covenant I make with you is going to be a conditional covenant, meaning it depends on you doing your part and I will do my part. And the condition of the covenant is this, you obey my commands and I will bless you. It's as simple as that. In other words, God says, I'm going to make an agreement with you and I'm going to give you the way of life. The don't murder, remember the Ten Commandments? Don't steal, don't lie about each other, don't be jealous of each other, don't, don't take advantage of other people, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, honor your parents, don't commit adultery. Like, I'm gonna teach you, how, and I'm gonna give you laws to protect you from yourself, right, because you're a sinner and we live in a broken world, and I'm gonna give you my, my way of life, and here is the covenant. You follow and obey it, and I will bless you. In fact, let me um, kind of share a little bit about this, because Jesus has said, okay, I've come to replace a conditional covenant, and you're going to learn he's going to replace it with an unconditional covenant. In the book of Deuteronomy, we get a glimpse of the covenant, and I love this. Here, here's, this, I want you, this is how God enters into relationship with people. He says this, and I want you to notice how many times God uses the word if. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, he's conditional, and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations on earth. There's going to be a blessing connected to obedience. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord, your God. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Wherever you go, God's favor will be with you. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. I'll bless your family. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, your provision, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. That's awesome, right? You will all, you'll be blessed when you go in and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise against you will be defeated before you. I'll be your provider. I'll be your protector. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns, your retirement. Some of you are like, thank you. And everything you put your hands to, the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. Do you see this? It's once again, over and over again, the Lord establishes you as his holy people, as he promised you on an oath. There's the word again. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. In other words, Jesus, I've come to replace this conditional covenant that is based upon you getting it right. Now, the second part of the covenant is this. I want you to see this. However, 
Remember, it's agreement between two people. If you don't obey the Lord your God, and you do not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and you uh, and overtake you. So God goes to his people. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. And I'm going to actually make a covenant with you. And by the way, animals were killed. Blood was shed to seal this deal. And he asked the people, do you agree with this? And all the nation says, we agree. And so all of mankind is now being judged under this covenant. If you follow and obey God, I will bless you. And if you disobey me, I will distance myself with you. And do you know what God did? Exactly what he promised in a covenant to do. And as the nation of Israel followed him, they were blessed beyond any nation on earth. He gave them the promised land, which they didn't build. He began to give them all of this gold and silver, and they were so wealthy as a nation that it is said that in the days of Solomon that rocks were like silver and silver like rocks. There was just, everybody had so much excess. All of the nations around feared them and were awe and wouldn't dare mess with them because they saw the mighty power of God be their warrior and their, and their army and their leader. God protected them from disease. We could use a little bit of that right now, right? God blessed them in everything they did. And God blessed them in such a way that all the nations on earth looked in awe and wonder. And other rulers and kings would sit at the kings of Israel's feet to learn in awe and wonder because God's favor was on them. And what did God do? He fulfilled his covenant because it's unbreakable and God cannot lie and he always will do what he said. But what happened next? The nation of Israel broke their covenant. They, they didn't, they, they bowed down and served other gods. Hey, you know, God, we were rich. Now we got all this money, and I don't know if I want to give, still give 10%. I know you made us rich when we were slaves, and now you're the source of it, but we, we want to spend it all on ourselves. We don't really want to tithe anymore, and we're going to stop doing that. And you know what? The Sabbath day, keeping it holy, that's kind of like, like you, know, you see how nice the beach is right now? And, and I kind of like, I don't really want to take a day and really focus on being with, with, in your house, God. We want to just do things and chores in our house, so we're not going to do that. And I know this whole intermarry thing with people that worship other gods, I mean, but she's kind of you know, attractive, or that's a good business relationship. And you know what? We're just going to go ahead and make those choices, God. And I know you said don't bow down, but we will. And I, I know you, you said about how to be honest and have integrity and do certain things. And little by little, what they did is they broke their covenant. And just like God promised, what happened happened and the curses came upon them. And the, this nation that was mighty and great fell and they were taken as slave and they were destroyed and everything they had was lost. And I'll never forget this moment in the scriptures where some of the people begin to accuse God of breaking the covenant. And he says to them this powerful thing, hey God, we're not blessed, you promised. And God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah and he says, listen to me, show me your certificate of divorce. You were the one that was unfaithful to me. And I want you to hear this. What he's saying is, hey, I gave everything to you. This wasn't a religion. This was a relationship where I was like your father and your God, and you were actually unfaithful to me. And it was only after your unfaithfulness that I walked away. And so here we have it. And I want you to see this. This is the covenant that people are living in when Jesus has this, makes this statement, is that everyone is living in a conditional covenant. The problem is none of us can get it right. The problem is, is that what happens is, is that the relationship with God turned into this religion where everyone's just trying to get, I can't, I'm not good enough. I messed up again. Another animal has to die. Oh, I'm separated from you. You're in the Holy of Holies and I can't, I can't get near you. And all of a sudden, this relationship with God became a weight and a burden. In fact, Jesus even said that. He even said that you heap these burdens upon people that you can't carry, meaning following God's law. You yourself can't do it, but you're putting it on other people. And here you have mankind 
separated from God, broken in our sinful nature. God told us what to do. We don't have the power to do it. And we're separated from God and broken. We're ourselves are broken. The world is broken. And then Jesus gathers them around the table and he says, but I'm gonna bring a new covenant to you. See, oftentimes we don't think of salvation as a covenant. But he says, I'm gonna actually build this new and create this brand new salvation that is going to help transform your life and your relationship with God. And I love how the scriptures talk about it because it's such a powerful statement when you, when you hear how, what goes on because you see the scriptures talk about this and you see them talk about how Jesus, once again, it's not just about salvation to get you into heaven, but it's a, it's a covenant relationship between God and you. And he goes, I have come to, to bring about, to shed my blood to enter you into this brand new unbreakable covenant with God. And we see it kind of talked about here in Hebrews 8, 6. He says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus received is superior to theirs as the covenant which he is the mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on a better promise. So now that you understand that, right? So he says, hey, the old covenant was all about you getting it right and if you got it right, God was your fan. But if you got it wrong, you were judged and you lived with the weight and a burden and you were never good enough. And Jesus, we're told, has come to bring a new covenant that's not gonna be like the old one. It's going to be better. And then we continue, we kind of hear what is being told. And I want you to understand, this is salvation. Remember, that salvation, we, we've so cheapened it. It's not just raise your hand. It's not just, oh, I believe that God exists. It's a covenant between you and God. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with people and said, the days are coming. Okay, this is written hundreds of years before Jesus. They're quoting Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new new covenant. See, they're ready for it with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain. There's that word again, faithful. Do you notice how God, when he thinks of you, it's not a religion. It's a deep relationship that when he looked at these people running away from him, he committed, he called it adultery. Do you see the heartbeat of God? It's personal. I want you to see that. Please understand that. He goes, because you didn't remain faithful to my what? Covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Because it was conditional. But I love what he says next. He goes, this covenant I will establish through Jesus with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And I want you to hear this. I love this. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. In other words, he tells these people living in guilt and shame, I'm not good enough. Hey, don't worry. I'm gonna send a new covenant, a new way to have a relationship with me. It's not gonna be like the old one on a tablet of stone saying obey this or else. No, it's gonna be a personal covenant where I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my people. And it's gonna be something inside of you on your heart and in your mind. It's gonna be a relational thing between you and me, not something a religious thing. And he continues about this new covenant. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And then I love this part of the covenant. For I will forgive their wickedness and I'll remember their sins no more. Understand what he's saying. I said, I'm promising you something. I'm going to create a new way for you to interact with me, a new relationship, if you will. 
And it's not gonna be like the old, which is conditional on you getting it right. In fact, I'm not gonna define you by your sins. I'm not even gonna remember them. I'm gonna actually forgive you even when you don't deserve it. This new relationship that I have with you is not gonna be conditional on you getting it right. It's gonna be filled with grace and love and you're gonna have this new relationship with me and you and this is what I have come to do. So hundreds of years later, Jesus is sitting with his disciples and goes, I'm getting ready to go to the cross because I'm gonna enact this covenant that God's been promising you for years and years and years that you've been waiting for. We call it salvation. Jesus once again calls it a covenant, an agreement that is unbreakable between you and God. And so what does Jesus do? Well, every covenant always is done and established in blood. It's life or death. So Jesus goes to the cross. That's why Jesus had to die not just to forgive us of our sins, which we love to talk about because he does, but to actually create a new way for you to have a relationship with God. And he gives his life, and three days later, he rises from the dead. He comes out of the tomb, and there one of his followers is waiting there because they missed him, and they see him, and they're so excited, and they want to grab onto Jesus. Mary, no, 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 no. It's not finished yet. I've still got to go to my father and present myself, remember, the offering to enact this new covenant so that you can now connect with God in a new, even better way. Don't hold on to me. I've got to go. And he goes up to heaven. The Bible tells us he goes into the temple that is in heaven. By the way, the temple that was uh, made on earth was an exact replica of where God dwells in heaven. And so he goes up to his father to present himself, or what? To enact this new covenant. And I love what is said because we're talked about this in the same book, but when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle or temple that is not made with human hands. That is to say, not a part of this creation. What is it? That Jesus took him as a sacrifice and walked into the presence of the holy holies where his father is. And I love what he says. Because he did not enter the means of the blood of goats and calves, which other priests had to do because they needed to get forgiveness for their own sins. But he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. Here's why. In this new covenant, thus obtaining eternal redemption. He paid for us. He bought us forever and ever and ever and ever. He redeemed us from a broken. He restored the relationship with God in this new covenant. So here's what I want you to see. Listen, if you've lost me, I know it's a lot. I get it. It's a lot. I had to memorize all this. It's a lot. <laughs> but here's what I want you to see if you don't get anything else. Because it's so important to get this. That Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive you of your sins. That Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you could have a relationship with God based upon a new unbreakable covenant. Now here's what I want you to understand about this. This is what you see. This is where we, we can't miss. Grab me right here. Here's what it is. Who did God make the covenant with? You or Jesus? With Jesus. Why is that so important? Because see, every other covenant, this is why you got, every other covenant God made, he made with mankind, and we never got it right. I'll make an agreement with you, Abraham. Oh, you messed up, okay. I'll make Moses, oh, messed up. Oh, David, you messed up. Okay, every covenant I made with people, we could never live up to it. So what does God say? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna make this covenant with you because you can't get it right. My son is gonna go fulfill this law. He's gonna do what everyone else couldn't do. He's gonna end that old covenant. He's gonna get it perfect. And then he's gonna shed his blood so the covenant is now between God and Jesus and we just get in on it. 
It's not conditional on you. That's why it's unbreakable. Imagine when my father's right here. Think of it like this. This is maybe the best way I could explain it. Imagine I went to my dad and said, hey, dad, um, I, I, I'm going to give you all of the, the homes, the, the businesses, the, the money, the cars, everything I have, I'm signing it over to you. I have nothing. I'm giving it all to you. The only agreement I'm going to make with you is you have to take care of my boys for the rest of their life. And we make and we sign the contract. We, did, we enter into a covenant. Here's what happened. The covenant's between me and him, but who gets the blessing? My children. What do they do to deserve it? Nothing. They're my children. What do they do to earn it? Nothing. What can they do to break it? Well, even if they mess up, he's got to take care. You see the principle? See, what I love about this moment that we miss about salvation is that salvation is God going, I tried it with you and you guys can't get it right. So I'm going to actually do it with my son that you get in on. So no matter what happens for the rest of life, it's unbreakable blood covenant where now you have this new relationship with me that's not based upon you obeying, you getting it right. Even when you mess up, it doesn't matter because it's never been about you. It's been about my son. And for the rest of your life, you're going to have an eternal covenant with me based upon what my son has done, not what you do. That's salvation. And all too long, we, I hear this, this is for too long in church and Christians, we've, we've made it about, just raise your hand, say a prayer. Understand the significance. No, it's a covenant that God has made between you and Jesus and him that's unbreakable forever and ever and ever. Now here's the final question as we come to a close. What, what do we need to do to, what's, how, do we, how do we get saved? How do we get into this covenant with God? How do we step out of this performance space? I'm judged on my sins into this new covenant that Jesus interacted. It's no longer dependent on me, but I can have this relationship that's unbroken with God. And the answer is amazing. I mean, this is why they call it the good news, or some people would say the gospel. Listen, listen to what we need to do, and I want you to see this. This is so important. See, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You'll enter, understand this new language, right? You'll enter into a covenant with God through what? Through faith. Wait, wait, I mean, I don't have to obey the rules? No. I don't have to get my life right first? No. You mean anyone, no matter what I've done? Yeah, because it's not based upon you. It's based upon what my son did. And I want you to understand this, because so often what we do is we look at the word faith and we simply go, oh, okay, you mean I just have to believe that God exists? No, because the Bible actually tells us that even the demons believe that God exists and they're not saved. And this is why I love this word here. If you declare with your mouth, and I love this word here, it's not that just Jesus is a savior, it is he's a Lord. See, when, you're, when Jesus is your Lord, it's a position of authority. Does that make sense? And so what you're saying is that all I've got to do is realize I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sins to bring me to a new relationship with God. I'm going to choose to accept him as my Lord, position of authority, and Savior. Thank God he gave his blood for me to live. And that's how you are saved. See, salvation, listen to this. It's a covenant that you enter into God through this faith and this entrusting that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. In fact, not only that, I love this next verse. I want you to see it here again. But to all, what's that mean? To anyone, no matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you did last night, no matter what you're gonna do tonight, no matter what you've done, no matter what no one else sees but you see, no matter how much that addiction or bondage or anger is in you, to all who, once again, there's that word, believed faith in him and accepted him. What's that mean? I accept him as my Lord. He's authority of my life. He is the way to God. He is my Savior. By the way, that's why people don't understand. Why is Jesus the only way? Well, he's the only one that entered into covenant with God. No one up. Buddha didn't die for you. Muhammad didn't die for you. 
God never made a covenant with them. He made a covenant with his son. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and no one gets to the Father except through me because there's no other covenant that God made. And I love what he says here because this I want you to see. To anyone who believes, puts their faith in him as their Lord, accepts who he is. Notice what we get. He gave the right to become children of God. Do you notice that the word of salvation wasn't connected to religion, but a relationship? That Jesus did all of this, not just to save you from hell and get you to heaven. He did all of this because in this new covenant, God becomes your father. The agreement that Jesus made with God is, because of what you've done, anyone who placed their faith in me, make you their Lord, I will adopt them as my child, and I will love them unconditionally forever and ever and ever. It's eternal all the way into heaven. And too often in our lives, we've turned salvation as, hey, raise your hand, say a prayer so you don't go to hell and you go to heaven. And what God is saying, no, salvation is deeper than this. It is a covenant between your father, God, and you, where he agrees to be your father who loves you unconditionally, no matter what you do forever and ever and ever and adopts you into his family. It is not simply a religious thing. It is a relationship thing. In fact, I love this verse and it's unconditional because it's not about you. The covenant is with Jesus. And I love this. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, any choices you make will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you understand the covenant you are a part of? It's unconditional because it's not with you, it's with him. And so to answer the question, here's the questions. Why do I need to be saved? Well, because you're a sinner. If you don't believe that, ask your spouse. Why did Jesus need to die? Because the only way that God would enter into a covenant with us is the shedding of blood. And because God couldn't make a covenant with you because it'd be conditional and you couldn't, you couldn't live up to it. And so God made a covenant with himself, which he could not break. So we would never have to live with the guilt and the shame of trying to perform to earn salvation or God's love. And it would be a gift because the agreement's between him and Jesus, not between him and you or him and us. And you get in on it. That's why Jesus had to die. How do we get saved? We make, choose to make the covenant with God. God, it's not about me being good. It's not about me getting it right. It's about me recognizing, Jesus, you're my Lord. You have authority and you're my Savior. I'm going to make that decision. And what happens when you get saved, you enter into a new way you connect with God that's an unconditional, loving Father relationship forever and ever and ever, all the way through heaven. And your sin is remembered no more. And you're not defined by your past. You're a brand new creation all because of this covenant that Jesus gave his blood to do. And my heart in this, I know we gave a lot of history, but I wanted us to truly comprehend and understand what's at stake with salvation and the decision that you make if you want to be saved. And right now with every head bowed or a Boynton campus here, even online, I wanna give you that opportunity to enter into that covenant with God by making that decision. And we're gonna have um, pastors come out of both of our camps to lead you. Let me just pray over you and pray over people that maybe have never made that decision. Maybe light bulbs have come off right now and you go, now I get it. And let's begin to pray and welcome people into this beautiful new covenant that God is inviting us into through faith in his son. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for salvation.
for the new covenant. God, you're so good. You left heaven and earth for us. You sacrificed your own blood to be in relationship with us. Thank you for your covenant of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.